Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. In uh, Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. I mean, they're setting you up like they're doing some, you know, why are they murdering people or why are they cussing people out? No, they didn't wash their hands before they ate. Okay, so you guys are just really into purification, apparently. You walk around with your little Purell bottles and after you shake someone's hand, you put a little dab on. I I mean, how does that make you feel? Someone just shook your hand and then somebody turns around and puts, (laughs) that's a little much. And they weren't just talking about, you know, washing your hands before you eat because that's gross. They're talking about washing your hands before you eat because it was a ritual. It was a part of a purification process. It was uh, just a religious program. And Jesus is addressing this. Well, actually, Jesus is just minding his own business. They're addressing Jesus, coming to Jesus. And he's like, okay, you want to open that door. We'll go there. Verse three, he answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Now, just a little side note, before you pick on someone else because they're not sinning in the way you sin, (laughs) be ready to receive it back at you. Amen. So many times we have our eyes so fixed and focused on what everybody else is doing. As if God gave us the the personal responsibility to make sure other people stayed in line and kept in line. You know, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. You know, I tell people all the time, especially, you know, if I have to uh, confront or challenge or correct, uh, you know, someone. Because, you know, that's what shepherds do. Amen. I'm not up here to pet your flesh and I'm not up here just to tell you how awesome you're doing and how awesome God is. I mean, we can do that, but, but at some point we gotta start seeing fruit. God uh, didn't come to just raise a bunch of plants. He came to receive some fruit. If you're planted, that means you should be bearing fruit. Anything that's planted means that it's giving something away, not just taking something in. So eventually my life ought to be producing. And so, you know, I always tell people now, you know, I'm having to address this issue in your life because you overrode the one that he already gave you that lives inside of you that's been trying to address this and you've been shutting his voice out. So God is to bring me in. I'm the second person to bring this up to you. The first one is the person of the Holy Spirit. And he's been living inside of you and he's been speaking to you. Still small whisper, he doesn't shout at you. The Holy Spirit doesn't wave his arms and and scream his head off saying, hey, stop, don't go there. He says, hey, uh, hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, that's that's dangerous. There's no life there. You you, you don't want to listen to that. You don't want to look at that. You don't want to be with them. You don't want to do this. He's on the inside. And so you have to be able to learn to shut everything else out around you to hear him. The Holy Spirit's not gonna yell a bunch of all of our noise. He's not gonna yell a bunch of the distractions and the stuff that we have that we build up in our life. You have to become quiet and to be able to hear him so you can yield to him. But, you know, here in this, in this instance, They're approaching Jesus and his disciples about a tradition, a tradition, and they called it that. Why do your disciples transgress transgress the tradition of the elders? And then verse three, Jesus responds and says, and why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? So he says, you're getting on my disciples because they are rebelling against a man-made directive. But you are adhering to man-made directives and compromising God's commandments. 
He's identifying that the traditions that you're actually building up and that you're keeping are actually pulling you away from God, not closer to him. Now, see, what happened was, was these, these, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these religious people, they had uh, developed these man-made traditions that were, uh, that they thought of as offense, not offense, like bitterness in your heart, but offense that you put up around something. They were so, uh, um, they were, were so careful to follow the commands of God and the guidelines of God that they wanted to go a step further and say, well, let's institute some of these other things, man-made traditions. But here's the thing. God doesn't need your help when setting his commands and setting his law. We have his word. And this word right here is perfect in and of itself. God doesn't need us to add to or take away. If we will just follow the code, follow the standard, keep the word that he's given to us, we will see his word produce benefits in our lives. God put a a guard or protection around Adam and Eve by simply saying, and do not eat the fruit of this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, think about it. If they had simply obeyed that command, we probably, we wouldn't be in the situation, the predicament we're in today. If they would have just simply honored God's word, the enemy couldn't touch them. The snake couldn't deceive them. The, the, that, that, that snake, the cunning, crafty, sneaky snake in that garden had no power over them if they remained in obedience and alignment with God's word. They didn't need to add anything else to it. They didn't need God to come down and and, and fight their battle and and, and do something about the snake. I I read yesterday a, a funny joke where one of Adam's sons was asking him what happened uh, you know, why they, why they weren't allowed to stay in the garden. And Adam responded and said, your mom ate us out of house and home. <laughs> Might be cheesy, I don't know. I thought it was funny. I hadn't heard that one before. If they would have just obeyed the command, if they would have just kept what God said. They didn't need a shovel. They didn't need a gun. They didn't need uh, uh, any other level of protection. I tell you, honoring God's word, obeying God's word is the greatest protection for your life. Parents, that's, that's one of the greatest things you can teach your children is to honor and obey God's word. Teach them the value of God's commands. Teach them the value of loving God. The Bible says, Jesus said, that if you love me, You'll keep my commandments. In today's day and age, I mean, we, we, we see that, uh, uh, you know, we, we live in a culture today that's just so fear-ridden. It's just, you know, at any turn, I mean, you know, the stuff that we're seeing today is almost unheard of. But the word will keep you protected. The word will keep you safe, honoring his word. So the word will protect you, but we don't need to add man-made traditions and man-made standards and man-made principles. Man-made tools will actually pull us away from God, not closer to him. And so he goes on in verse four, for God commanded saying, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, that's not what you want to hear from Jesus. You want what you say to align with what he says. But he's just drawn a line in the sand and said, this is what the word says. This is what you say. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God then he needs not honor his father or mother. Watch this. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect 
by your tradition. Because of your man-made traditions and your man-made principles, you've actually compromised the value for God's laws, for God's system, for God's way of doing things. Guys, we can have God's, we, we can keep God's commands or we can develop man-made traditions. You, 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 you can have one or the other, but you can't have both. We cannot develop our own standard and our own principles and our own ideas of how God wants us to live and still adhere to his way of doing things. We can't have both. It's one or the other. One will be compromised for the other. If I choose to keep God's commands, then I'm saying no to man-made traditions. If I take on man-made traditions, then I'm saying no to God's commands. I want to make sure I'm staying in line with God's word. I don't know about you. I want to make sure that his word is of full priority. And they didn't start out that way. Their intentions were good. Their intentions were there. Their intentions were, we want to keep the law. Their intentions, but, but by adding to and by creating these man-made systems, they were actually creating their own sense of righteousness, self-righteousness, their own holiness, a holiness unto me, not a holiness unto God. See, when God's not the center, we'll, we will create ways to feel righteous. We will create ways to feel holy. We will create systems that will make us think and deceive us into thinking that we're aligned with God when we're really not. I mean, these religious leaders, these weren't people that were deliberately in disobedience to God's word in the sense that we want to be, uh, we don't want anything to do with God. We don't want anything to do with your principles. We don't want anything to, in, in essence, you could say this, if it were today, these are your church people. These guys are going to church religiously. These guys are praying religiously. These guys are, uh, uh, you know, calling themselves God followers would call themselves Christians, although we didn't even have that term at this time. That's who this group of people would be. We're not talking necessarily about lost people that haven't come to the light, haven't been brought out of darkness and been brought into light. We're talking about people that, that think they have a form of godliness, that think they have a form of righteousness, that think they have a form of holiness, but yet they what? Deny the power of the word. You have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. I think I have this in the, um, in the New Living. In the New Living, I wanna read to you how it says there in verse, uh, verse six. Do we have that? We put verse six in the New Living. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel. You cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You cancel. You make void. You make of no effect. You remove the power. You, when you cancel something, it, it's done. It has no uh, uh, power in your life. It's not evident in your life. So he's saying you're, you're making the word of God of no effect for the sake of your own tradition. Verse seven, hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But here's the key. But their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me. Again, we're not talking about people that are saying, I don't want anything to do with your God. They're honoring God with their mouths. They sound like followers of God. But Jesus was able to get a little deeper. Jesus was able to get to the heart of the matter. Jesus was able to get to the root. Jesus was able to get beneath the surface, beneath all the stuff that looks good. And he was able to dig down beneath and say, there's actually a problem at the root. And when there's a problem at the root, there will eventually be a problem with the fruit. 
when there's a problem at the root, you can hide that for a little while. You can keep that underneath and, and sound like you've got it all together and sound like you know what you're talking about. And sound, you can, we can put all those things together, but Jesus is saying there's a missing ingredient. Your heart is far from me. And ultimately what God wants is not lip service or actions on the outside that look a certain way. He wants the heart. He wants you. You are the heart. You are not what you do. You are who you are, who you become. And so he's saying, I, I want something deeper than that. And, and look, any of us would agree in our relationships, you don't want lip service. Right? How many of you spouses would just want your spouse just to tell you that they love you but not actually love you from the heart? Even in just casual friendship relationships, we don't, we don't want to maintain relationship with people that just say one thing but don't do another. We don't want to maintain a level of relationship. Well, God is no different. It, it's, it's dangerous to be in a relationship where someone gives you all that they have, but the other person doesn't reciprocate all that they have. God gave you everything out of the goodness of his heart, just like we sing. He didn't give you anything, even looking for anything in return. Now, what do you got from me? But he says, because I've given you this love, this mercy, this grace, this empowerment, uh, because I have, I have poured out my love on you, this is what it empowers you to do. This is how you can reciprocate. This is how you can love me as I have loved you. So he says, uh, you honor me. They honor me with their lips. Their heart is far from me. In vain, they worship. So they're worshiping. Not worship, just as an act of worship is not love, is not uh, uh, giving yourself to someone. He says, they worship me, but it's in vain. Teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men. Now verse 10 continues and it says, when he had called the multitude to himself. Now he's talking to the multitude. He was confronted by these religious leaders. Now he's talking to the multitude. He says this, hear and understand. Hearing is not always understanding. Just ask a 17-year-old self in Algebra 2, if hearing is automatically understanding, it's not. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. It's not what goes in, but it's what comes out. Now look at verse 12. Then his disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? <laughs> Can you imagine Jesus at that point? Oh, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to step on any toes. Oh, shucks. I, I need to go ask them to. No, he, you know, Jesus, Jesus doesn't care about that. Jesus said, my words will be offensive. My words will challenge. My... Now see, Jesus came to confront and disrupt the very thing the Pharisees and the Sadducees and these religious leaders were doing. That's the whole reason why Jesus came, because Jesus came to bring a kingdom. Jesus came to be a, bring a relationship. Jesus came to bring the reality, and they were just living in a piece of it. Religious law and, and keeping practices, those things never had the power to save you and I. The Old Testament, Jesus introduced the commandments, introduced the law. God introduced the law in the Old Testament only to reveal that you're a sinner. But the law did not actually contain the power to save you from your sins. So basically the law is just God's way of saying, now you can see right from wrong. 
I'm not saying that you can do right from wrong. I'm just saying that it's visible now. It, it, it's, it's obvious this is right, this is wrong, and you are doing wrong. You are in sin. And you need a savior. Why? Because what's the point of Jesus coming if we don't even realize we need him? So the law comes in to show me my depravity, my my sin, my failures, my struggles, my issues, my challenges that I cannot accomplish. He he gave them thousands of years to, to prove you can't do it on your own. There's no way you can do it. It's impossible to honor me. So my son is the only way that we can reconcile and restore this relationship once again. But he had to give them time. I mean, have you ever received a gift that you didn't recognize the value of immediately? Have you ever given someone a gift, but they didn't recognize the value of the gift? It's that we only use things to the value that we believe that they have or provide in our life. If Jesus comes in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, after Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't recognize that they needed Jesus at that time. The Bible says that Jesus came in the fullness of time. That means there was an appointed time that Jesus came and showed up. There was a reason why Jesus came when he came. There's a reason why that the, the, the timing, the season in which he came, it was it, man was lost. Man was now limited to trying to figure out how to live holy on their own. The ones that received Jesus, the ones that received his ministry were the ones that had no problem recognizing, man, I, I need this. I've got to have what he's got. Those that didn't recognize it, challenged him rather than received him. Challenged him rather than received him. His disciples came and they said, did you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. This is what he says, let them alone. He doesn't say reach out to him. He doesn't say try to reconcile the relationship. He doesn't say, well, let me go over there and see if I can get this fixed. I don't want anybody mad at me. No, he says, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. He said, you leave those people alone. You're not gonna convert them. You're not gonna change them. See, this is the thing, is is when people voluntarily live in blindness, the truth will always upset and frustrate them. They will never receive it. When people live in voluntary blindness, now we know that Jesus healed blind people, didn't he? He physically blind people. But what's even worse than being physically blind is being spiritually blind. And what's even worse than being spiritually blind is choosing to be spiritually blind. Choosing to live in my depravity rather than receive the answer and the hope when it's given to me, when it's presented to me. There are those that the gospel can be ministered. I don't care how good of a minister you are, how good you communicate it, how well you, 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 you uh, uh, can orchestrate it, put it together, put the production on, the show on, whatever the case may be. There will be those. See, truth has, uh, 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 it's a double-edged sword. The truth of God can draw people to repentance, but the truth of God can also push people further away from who he is. Truth always demands a response. Truth will always demand a response. When the truth is presented, today, you that are in this room, there is a response that's demanded from this message today. Do I receive that or do I reject it? Do, Do I conform my life to the word of God or do I further conform my life to the world? The truth of God always demands a response for it to 
rule and reign in our life for it to truly change our life. We know that this word right here can change your life forever. One word from God, one word from God can change your life forever, completely alter who you are, completely alter your lifestyle, your actions, your behaviors, your attitudes, your principles, your agendas, your ideas. The word of God is the most foundational element we have in the world today. It has so much power. But until I conform my life and receive the truth as life-giving, But see, receiving truth means also acknowledging where I'm at. Right? You can't help people until they want help. You ever heard that before? It's impossible to help people that don't want help. It's impossible to help people that don't realize they need help. It's impossible to help people that only want to be helped their way. That's the three type of people you can never help. They don't know they need help. They don't want your help or they only want to be helped their way. You know, I have found in my life that anytime uh, I've been confronted about something, challenged about something, uh, 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 had uh, correction in my life, I typically did not enjoy the process of being corrected and it would not have been the route that I thought I should take in receiving correction. When I counsel people or even if I have to correct people, I don't ask them, now what's the course of action you think that we should take today? Because you don't have any idea or any clue of how to get out of the mess you're in. That's why we need an outside source. Because it, it's, it's, it's the level of, discomfort. It's the level of being uncomfortable that really changes us and really challenges the mess that's on the inside. So these religious leaders, I mean, they're, 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 they are further off than those that are far from God. My passion in ministry has always been, you know, even, even when I was young, I, I love seeing the lost come to the Lord. I love seeing people confess Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. People come out of darkness and into light. But one thing that bothers me even further is those that have gained a glimpse of the light, gained a level of understanding, but live below the standard that God has for them. That bothers me even more. And everybody's got different passions and everybody's got different zeals. Of course, I don't want to see anybody go to hell. I don't want to see anybody, uh, uh, you know, be separated from God for eternity, of course. But even more so, my heart is that when we do come into the kingdom, we recognize and understand what the kingdom life is truly all about. And we live to the standard that God calls us to live. And I'm not talking about rules and regulations. I'm not talking about adhering to some formula. I'm not talking about putting on religious activity. I'm talking about what only God can do, and that's changing the heart of man. The heart of man. The heart of man is always the root. The heart of man is always the issue. The heart of man is always what God is trying to get to. The Bible does not say those that become born again shall be set free. The Bible doesn't say that those that uh, are saved will be free. It doesn't say that. The Bible says that the truth will make you free. There's a difference. That means that there could potentially be lost, saved people. Now, I know right now you're thinking about somebody else. <laughs> We're thinking, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's so-and-so. But could it potentially be in us? Could it potentially be that I'm living below the standard because I've accepted a man-made tradition over God's commands? 
Guys, they don't set out this way. Guys, we need to have a meeting and we need to set up traditions of men that will actually pull us away from God's commands. Anybody up for that? Let's have a vote. No, it starts out with intentions that say, man, we want parameters in our life and we want restrictions in our life and we want guardrails, guard systems. We want uh, 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 things in our lives that are gonna keep us from disobeying God. But over time, it begins to digress, and before you know it, you're, you're so veered off into religious activity. You're so veered off from what God's intention was that you can't even recognize what God's plan was anymore. And we've substituted. Guys, I'll tell you right now, we are horrible at creating alternatives or substitutes for the Word of God. That's why we just have to stick to the Word of God. We just got to stay with His plan. He says, let them alone. I don't ever want God to say that about me. Just leave him alone. He's so far gone, there's no getting him back. Shh. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. Now notice, we've got two people asking questions. In Matthew chapter 15, verse one, the Scribes and Pharisees are asking a question. Why do your disciples transgress our tradition? Now, Peter is saying, what does this mean? You know, just because we ask questions doesn't always mean we want an answer. You ever notice that? And sometimes we ask questions, but we only want a certain answer. But God is looking for people with hearts that are teachable, with hearts that are receptive, Hearts that are open, hearts that can be taught, hearts that can be coached, hearts that can say, hey, I just want to know truth. I just want to know what God says about this. And so Jesus said, are you still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is limited? and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And they defile a man, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These, these are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. We're talking about what defiles us, what changes us, what is it that keeps us stuck away from God rather than what brings us close to God. And he says it's in the heart. He goes on further with this in uh, Matthew chapter 16, very next chapter over. Matthew chapter 16, verse one. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. So the question just on the surface seems honorable. Man, we want to see a sign from heaven. We want to see a sign from God. But the two words preceding the question help us understand their intent and their motive, their agenda. It says that they came testing him. And so he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. In the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jesus knew how to get to the essence, to get to the heart of the matter. We see this again in John chapter eight. Over in John chapter eight. I don't know about you, but I wanna receive truth when it's presented. I wanna have a, a heart that is receptive to the truth of God. But we, we, we build up these little things in our lives over time if we're not careful. If we choose not to keep the word of God the foundation. I've heard people say, keep the main thing the main thing. 
The word of God is the foundation. Everything is built off of that. But so many times in life, we want to build filters through which we put the word of God. We want to build filters through which we, 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 we see the word of God. Lenses. Everybody in here this morning has a lens. This is one thing that I've learned in, in, in pastoring and preaching and in ministering is what I say is not always what is heard. Anybody ever been in a conversation like that where you had to communicate something? Maybe if you're a boss to an employee or, or uh, 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 even you know, in a marriage relationship, no matter how close the relationship is, there's always tendency for stuff to get lost in translation. Anybody ever noticed that? I, this is what I said, but that's not what I heard. And sometimes it's not the content, it's the container. Sometimes it's not what I'm saying, but it's how I'm saying it, how I'm presenting it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 tells us that we are to speak the truth in love. So he's saying you've got to give importance to the content, the truth, but you also have to give value to the container, love. Because if I speak truth, not in love, I can compromise the truth. Amen. But on the flip side, if I present someone a container of love, but it doesn't contain any truth, well, guess what? That's not changing anybody's life. You might have made a friend, but you didn't make a convert. You didn't make a disciple. He didn't say to make friends. Go ye into all the world making friends. Go ye into all the world. Didn't even say go ye into all the world making converts. Just get people to make a decision. Can I put you down? Can I, can I, can I jot you down? Can I, can I expect to see you in heaven? No, he said go ye into all the world making disciples, followers, pupils, students of Christ. Disciples. And so John chapter 8, we see a very interesting discourse. This is a really fun chapter if you ever wanted to just have some good reading John chapter 8, and I want to pick it up here in verse uh, 31, John 8 verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So he didn't place priority on the relationship, he placed priority on the word. He said, your ability to adhere to my word is really what determines the level of our relationship. If you don't do what I say, then we're really not as close as you might think we are. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Now remember, he was talking to the Jews that believed in him. But now he's presenting the word. See, it doesn't matter how much I believe in God. If I don't keep my heart open and teachable to the words that he's bringing, at any point that can get compromised. At any point that, that relationship can get severed. Because I believe in him today, I want to maintain a heart that says, God, if you show it to me and I see it, even if it looks different than what I thought it would look like, I will believe it and I will follow it and I will, I will take it as your word. He's talking to believers. He's talking to those that believed in him. But now they're arguing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me. Because my word has no place in you. You seek an agenda to take my life because of my word. You weren't receptive and open and teachable to my word. You've built up your traditions. You've built up your ideas. And now I've shown up with the word. And rather than saying, oh, man, that's what I want. Let me get rid of my stuff. Let me get rid of my agenda. Let me get rid of my idea. 
I want that. They became combative and confrontational and they weren't receptive to what Jesus was speaking. I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. Skip on down to verse 42. Look at this in verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. Now, I do not recommend going to work tomorrow and (laughs) presenting this. You are of your father, the devil. You need to get saved. Come to church with me this weekend, Anchor Faith Church. You belong there. They're not coming to Anchor Faith Church. I can tell you right now. Oh, they're going to that church that calls everybody the devil. But Jesus, because he's come to confront something, He's come to disrupt. You look, when, when you want to confront something, you don't do it easily. You go in and you disrupt it. He's wanting to change this religious mindset. So he's boldly confronting and saying, man, your father's the devil, so everything you're doing comes from him. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Jesus is not making friends today. Jesus is not trying to present uh, 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 the gospel in a lie. This isn't, you know, hey, I just, hey, everybody, I just want you to know that I love you. I'm here for you. No matter what you do, no matter where you've been, I mean, that's like half of our church Instagram posts these days is no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God loves you. Come to church, see you tomorrow. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is challenging and confronting a mindset. He's confronting agendas. He's confronting ideas. Now, does Jesus love them? Absolutely. It's not a trick question. That's pretty simple. Yes. Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves me this. Come on, we all know the songs. We sang them as a child. For God so loved the world. Guys, the only only thing you have to do to qualify for the love of God is breathe. I'll say that again. The only thing you have to do to qualify as somebody that God loves is live. There's nothing you can do to make God love you. And there's nothing you can do to make God not love you. So this is where the love of God, yes, we want to know that the love of God uh, is poured out on us. Yes, we want to know that God's love is great. Yes, we want to know that God loves us in spite of our failures, in spite of our challenges, in spite of our struggles. But guess what? He loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. That should not be our goal in life is just to get God to love us. In fact, I would give this to you, that those that communicate the, the well, God loves me. I know God loves me. I, I, I know I blew it. I know I did it. I know I did it. But, but, uh, but God loves me. They don't really know what that means. They really don't know what it means that God loves me. Because God's love is actually the reason why he's calling you out of that. Because he loves you. He has better for you because he loves you. He's got a different life for you because he loves you. He wants to see you overcome because he loves you. He wants you to be the head and not the tail above and not beneath because he loves you. He wants you to live up to his standard of life. 
And so we really don't even understand the love of God if we're not allowing the love of God to permeate our life. And so we become closed-minded. We become confrontational. There are people groups on the planet today that cannot be taught, cannot be shown the word of God, cannot be revealed where they might be missing it or blowing it or not in alignment with God's word. We have people groups today that say, it's not love if you tell me that I'm missing it. Don't judge me. Right, anybody heard that one? I'm not judge. I, I am not your judge. Judges sentence and convict. And you would probably wish that I was your judge if you found out who really is the drudge sitting on a great white throne of judgment. And he can actually do something. I can't send you to hell. I can't convict you. I can't uh, 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 give you a sentence of saying, because you did this, this is what you're going to serve. I can't do it. That's what a judge does. But I can inspect fruit. We are fruit inspectors. That's not judging. Judging is sentencing. But inspecting fruit is holding uh, believers accountable. Now, I can't judge the world because what what are they supposed to do? Sinners sin. That's what sinners do. But you're not a sinner. Well, you you know, I'm just a sorry sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. That's not what God's word says. You were a sinner. You're saved by grace. Now you're a believer. Now you're a brethren. Now you're in the family of God. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I'm not a citizen of the world anymore. That'd be like, you know, going over to England and trying to drive on the right side of the road. I'm not a citizen of that country. But when I'm in that country, guess what? I'm going to drive on the left side of the road. I'm going to drive on the side of the road that they culturally live. So if that's how they live in their culture, I can't bring that into America. We're in the kingdom of God. Guess what? The kingdom of God is a different country ruled by different principles that has different cultures, different behaviors, different attitudes. There's different responses. I used to respond with hate and I'd punch you in the mouth, but now I pray for you. And I take, I'll go the extra mile for you. I might have cussed you out in that life. But in this life, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm, I live according to a different set of rules. I live according to a different set of standards. And those standards help me win in life. I'm, I'm making it simple. This is not complex. Jesus is trying to help us understand that your heart has to be in a position of wanting to receive, wanting to be taught, be teachable. That's the only way that will overcome. And so Jesus is, he's presenting the gospel just as much as any salvation message you've ever heard. But Jesus never put the responsibility of someone else's response on himself. And we live in a day and age where we don't want to communicate certain things and we don't want to say certain things because ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to control their response or trying to help dictate their response. And that was never our responsibility. In fact, the word responsibility simply means the ability to respond. Our jobs are to present the gospel, but I don't get to determine and I can't determine how they respond to the presentation of the gospel. Now, again, I'm not telling you to go to work tomorrow and go, in, go up in your cubicle and say, uh, all of you, you are of the father of the, of the devil. He's your father. And the only reason, the only stuff you want to do is what he wants you to do. No, you can communicate the truth in love, but I'll tell you right now, love will confront. Love will challenge. Love will reveal where you've blown it, where you've missed it, because love wants to pull you out. Love wants to draw you out. Love wants to, wants to come alongside and say, hey, I want to help you with this, but, but you have to first acknowledge 
Love is not acceptance of sin. Love is the cure for sin. Love helps get rid of sin. Love helps say, look, this is what God wants. This is what you're doing. This is not going to help you get what God wants in your life, but I can help you. I can show you. I can teach you. And then I can come alongside you, help hold you accountable, encourage you, build you up, not make you feel like a failure when you miss it, but identify. But we, we, we become so sensitive in our communication of the gospel that, guys, I don't know that we're even communicating the gospel anymore. I don't know that we really are presenting the gospel of deliverance and the gospel of freedom. When I shy away from the truth of God's word, I'm doing the other person a disservice. I am not helping them, I'm hurting them. And it's not up to me to to present truth on a silver platter. I'm not trying to deceive them. I tell them up front. I'm not trying to trick you into accepting Jesus. Hey, this is what it means to come into the kingdom of God. This is what it means. And look, we talked a few weeks ago about concept versus reality. Some people have a concept that becoming a believer and a disciple of God means everything in my life's gonna be perfect now. Everything in my life's gonna be great. You know, everything's gonna align. I mean, God's gonna fight for me. God's gonna win all my battles. He's going to pay all my debts. He's going to make my spouse love me. He's going to make my kids behave. Uh, uh, I'm I'm always just going to be comfortable and convenient. Actually, it's the complete opposite. Sometimes as a result of receiving Jesus and choosing to live for him, all hell breaks loose. Tell, say that the next time. All right, you want to, you want to pray, pray your salvation? Things might get really bad for you. All right, ready, go. Dear Jesus, come on. It's like when you have kids, they ought to send a manual home. When you have kids, of everything that's, you you know, watch out for the Legos in the middle of the living room at two o'clock. They sleep while you're awake, and they're awake while you're sleeping. And they scream for no reason and there's nothing you can do about it. And you will never know why. We don't even know why and we can't tell you why. You know, they don't know why. Don't call the hospital and say they're screaming and they won't be quiet. And I don't, they're going to say, uh, just pat them on the back. Could be, I, I, they just make stuff up. Could be gas. It's gas. That's just gas. Goodness. No, the reality of living for God, the reality of making Jesus the Lord of your life is the fact that you have now someone that will help you overcome even when the challenges show up, even when the, uh, the uh, 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 obstacles come into your life. But I, I don't need to sugarcoat it. I don't need to, I, I don't need to pack it in a, 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 a package with a pretty bow. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel doesn't need us to add or take anything away from it. And I am not responsible for their response. I'm not responsible. I am here to present the gospel in love, but to present truth and not shy away from it. People cannot tolerate truth today, not because they don't want the truth. They just don't like how it's packaged. So they'd rather go through a drive-thru and get a meal that was made in five minutes than sit down at a five-star restaurant to get something that's been getting worked on all day long. And so we compromise the content because it's not in our container. We'd rather have the Burger King have it your way message. Come on now. You know, the better the restaurant, the least 
control, the, 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 the lesser control you have over the menu and what's on the meal. That's when you know you're getting a really good meal because I don't have to tell you to take this off and put this in and just bring it the way it is. But if you want to go to one of those, you know, pick the stuff off that you don't like and get that kind of meal, then that's the kind of content you're going to get. No, we need truth. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Worship team, if y'all would come. We need truth. We compromise truth when we try to package it in a way. No, we don't need to add to it. We don't need to take away from it. We don't need to build traditions. Let the truth do the work. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Guys, it doesn't say every wind of false doctrine. There's some doctrines out there that we've bought into that don't necessarily speak directly against God, but it's not perfectly in line with what God once and we've accepted it as doctrine. We've accepted it as truth. But God isn't into partial truth. It's the whole truth. The whole truth. Be tossed and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That's not the stuff that you want to be with. That's not the stuff you want to be associated with. That's not the stuff we're trying to buy into. But speaking the truth in love, watch this, that will grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Guys, I can tell you right now, the most loving thing you can do is present truth in its rawest form. Present truth. You don't have to sugarcoat it. You don't have to candy coat it. You don't have to water it down. You don't have to milk it over. You don't have to try to build it up. You don't have to give a bunch of disclaimers. Just present truth. You would be surprised at people's levels of receptivity. Guys, I really do. I believe sometimes we hinder people's ability to respond to truth because we try to work it up so much rather than just presenting it the way God ordained it. Guys, it's only the truth of the word that's going to help people only the truth of the word of God and I'll tell you right now if we don't value truth they won't you know I think one of the greatest needs for the church in these last days is discernment the ability to discern discernment draws a line that's what discernment does discernment helps you see clearly what is not obvious. That's what discernment is. Discernment helps us see clearly what is not obvious. If it were obvious, I wouldn't need discernment. But I need discernment because there's something underneath that's an issue. See, a lot of times we spend so much time with people's symptoms that we never get to the real cause, to the root of the issue. We spend so much time with the stuff on the surface that we never get to what's underneath. And the only way we're going to get to what is underneath is if we value truth. Because truth gets to the heart of the matter. Jesus was able to get to the heart of the matter. Jesus wasn't confused. Jesus wasn't confused 
about where people were at or what the real issue was. He, he didn't just receive stuff on service level. Jesus said, this is what you're coming at me with, but this is what's really going on. Guys, I want Jesus to get to the heart of the matter. I want his truth to pierce, as the word says in Hebrews chapter four, divide between soul and spirit. I need his truth to reveal what's really there. I need his truth to really change and work what's on the inside. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.